We're talking about discipleship. Uh, we, we, we started this series last week, and, uh, and what did we say last week? I, I told you that you needed to do something. <laughs> we, I, I love this picture, and I, I, I put this picture up intentionally so that when Connie put it on Facebook and said we were talking about discipleship, this is the picture that everybody conjures up in their mind about what discipleship is. Discipleship, in a lot of people's mind, is, is a group of young 20-year-olds, 20-something-year-olds getting together at the local Starbucks and opening up their Bibles, and they got a Staples notepad right beside them, and they got their pens out, and man, we are going to do discipleship right here in Starbucks, and that's where it's going to happen. And I, I told you that, that, yeah, indeed, you can do discipleship that way. That is a part of discipleship, but that is not the whole picture of discipleship. I mean, when you talk about being a Christian, it seems like everybody in the world knows what that means. I, I know what it means to be a Christian. Yeah, Kenny, I know what it means to be a Christian. But when you say disciple, everybody's like, well, I don't know necessarily what it means to be a disciple. What is a disciple? It's somebody that basically, I mean, I'm just going to summarize it because here at Simple Church, we like to do that. We, we summarize things and we try to little, make it a little simpler to understand. It's basically somebody that that follows the teaching of another person. A disciple is somebody that says, okay, I'm going to follow you around, and I'm going to live the way you live. I'm going to follow the things that you say and you do, and I'm going to do those things. I'm going to mimic those things, and I'm going to be like you. That is to be Christ-like. That is what to be a Christian means. It means to be Christ-like. That's what the word literally means, to be Christ-like. That is what disciple means. There were people that followed Jesus around, and they listened to his teachings, they understood what he said, they followed his actions, they began to act like him and do the things that he instructed them to do. That's discipleship. These guys were called disciples. You've heard that term before, but I don't know if it's ever really sunk in what it really meant and how it was meant to be done. You see, a lot of people think that that's the only way you do discipleship. Is that you sit down at Starbucks and you open up a Bible and you go through two chapters and then you say, well, I've done discipleship, I'm good. And I would challenge you and say that that is a small portion of discipleship. Yes, it is good to read God's Word. Yes, it is good to challenge each other with God's Word. Yes, it is good to discuss God's Word. Those are good things, and that is all part of discipleship. But you know what discipleship also is? Discipleship is when you worship one God and one God alone, the one true God that you and I know about, that represents Himself as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as described in our Bible. It, it, it's also about servanthood and serving alongside one another. I have told people over and over again, I said, I can teach you more about what it means to follow Jesus at, in two hours at the Carver Center feeding homeless people than I can in a whole year of Sunday school classes. That's what it means to disciple people. And, and I, I'm, I'm very frustrated by a, a, lot, a lot of teachers and preachers that will get up and, and they will try to disciple people by just talking about God's word, but they won't go and do and serve. They won't show evidence in their life. They, they, they won't continue to pour out into other people and be a servant of Christ. All they want to do is, is stand up in front of everybody else and tell them what they need to do. I, I, I'm not a big fan of that. I, I believe if you're going to disciple people, you've got to work alongside of them. I think it's the primary responsibilities I described last week of the pastor and the preacher, the teacher, the evangelist is to tell and instruct the people what they're supposed to do in order to be a disciple. It's to teach them the doctrine, which is that big word means teaching. 
To teach them and show them what it means to be a Christ follower? That's my primary responsibility, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to be a servant of Christ. Because I am a Christian, I'm going to be a servant of Christ. And I'm going to serve right alongside of you. It frustrates me to death to see see, see men that, that will supposedly lead, but they only lead with their words, not with their actions. Not a big fan of that. You see, to be a Christian, to be a disciple of Jesus, is all about being in the kingdom. It, it, it really is. So, to, to be a Christ follower, everybody, everybody says, I want to be a Christian, I want to be a Christ follower. Well, that means you got to be a disciple, because we're going to look at three guys today that basically said, well, i got some other stuff to do first, and then I'll, I'll be a, a Christian, a, a disciple, a Christ follower. Let me do this other stuff first, and let me take care of, of this or that, or, or let, me, let me make sure I've got my comfort level right before I will surrender my whole life to being a disciple, to following Jesus. Can I tell you that when Jesus makes an invitation to follow me, this is not a one-time emotional response to something some preacher said up on a stage or a platform, or a pulpit, or whatever you want to call it. When Jesus gives you an invitation to follow him, it is a lifelong commitment to die to yourself and give up everything so that you can follow Jesus and pursue Jesus and be his disciple and do the things that he's called you to do. It's not a one-time emotional thing. It is a lifetime commitment is what it is. You know, I, I, I use this analogy uh, some of you have heard me use this, but uh, some of you haven't. I tell them, I say, I'm an astronaut. I, I'm an astronaut. Do you know that? Did you know that I was an astronaut? You know, you know why I'm an astronaut? Because when I was five, six, seven years old, I really wanted to be an astronaut. And I, I committed myself to being an astronaut. Doesn't that make me an astronaut? Doesn't that make me part of the NASA space program? If I, if I said, man, I'm really committed to being an astronaut, I, I want to I be one. No, it doesn't, does it? You know how you know I'm not an astronaut? Because I'm not in Cape Canaveral. I'm not in Houston, Texas. I'm not training to be an astronaut. I'm not in a plane anywhere, piloting a plane. I'm not going through astronaut training. I'm not doing any of that stuff. So why is it that people can say, I said a prayer, I made a commitment, but there's no lifelong evidence of me being a Christian, therefore I am a Christian. How how can you just say, well, I I, I signed up for it, man, I signed the piece of paper, I said the words, that makes me a Christian, right? No more than it makes me an astronaut. It's a lifelong picture. There's evidence in your life of who you are. There's evidence in your life of the fact that you follow Jesus Christ, and it doesn't just happen on Sunday. It doesn't just happen once a week or twice a week for an hour. I'm talking about your whole life, every hour, every second of every day. I'm talking about, are you, do you have the things of Jesus on your mind? Is Jesus your concern? Is following Jesus what's your, the picture of your life? Is it really what matters most to you? That's what a Christian is. That's what a disciple is. Some people's like, well, there's a Christian and there's a disciple. And I would say, no, we're going to show evidence in the scripture we look at tonight that being a Christian and being a disciple is the same thing. That if you want to be in the kingdom of God, you have to be a disciple. 
I, I know that I'm, I'm going against like everything a lot of people have heard in every church that they've been to like all their life. But I, when I challenge you like this through God's word, understand it comes from God's word and not from Kenny. That's why, we, well, that's why I preach what's called, called expositorily, which is to go through the passage and just show you what it says. That way you don't think that it's Kenny saying it, it's the word of God saying it. Uh, if it challenges you and it challenges everything you thought, all you have to do is pick up that book you have in your lap and read it for yourself. That's all you got to do. And you say, is Kenny lying? Is he telling the truth? Read it for you. Don't trust me. Read it for yourself. Tonight we'll be in Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 57. We're going to look at three different guys that came up to Jesus. One of them was a scribe. The first one was a scribe. It doesn't say that in your Bible, but uh, Matthew, it doesn't say that in Luke, but Matthew says it. So we have Matthew's account to back it up. Beginning in verse 57, it says, As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus. So Jesus is walking. He's going somewhere. You know why Jesus was walking? Because he went from place to place to place. One of the things you'll hear, uh, the big churchy words I like to explain to you, he was an itinerant preacher. Itinerant, right? Everybody's like, oh, yeah, hang on a second, let me look that up. Webster.com, itinerant, what does that mean? He traveled around. He, he went from place to place. You know what I say instead of saying he was an itinerant preacher? I say he went around from place to place. Jesus was walking because that's what Jesus did. He went from place to place sharing the good news of the kingdom. But this dude comes up to him and says, I will follow you wherever you go. I'll go wherever you go, Jesus. It, Matthew tells us this guy was a scribe, actually. A scribe was like a, 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 the ones that, that kind of interpreted the law, they kind of understood the law and the religious law of the day. So they were the ones that, they were kind of revered in a lot of ways. So they hung out with the Pharisees and, and for, for one of them to be with Jesus and saying, even Jesus, I want to follow you, that's kind of a big deal, right? Because they didn't really want to be associated with Jesus because he was kind of going against what the Pharisees were teaching. And, and so for one of the scribes to say that I want to go wherever you go, Jesus, that sounds like a good thing. That sounds like a very powerful thing. But what I believe has happened is this man has saw, saw evidence of, of God in this man. He has seen evidence of God in Jesus, and he is wild by it. He's got a wow factor going on. He's got an emotional response. He's all whipped into a frenzy right now because of some of the stuff Jesus has done. And he says, man, I'm going where this guy's going. Jesus, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Man, that sounds good, don't it? It sounds real good. But Jesus challenges this guy just like he challenges all of us. Now, one of the things that, that, that we say when we baptize somebody is, are you committed to denying yourself and following the Holy Spirit who now lives within you? It's one of the things we say, right before we bat, it's the last thing I say right before I put somebody under the water, right? Why is that? It's because you've got to be willing to give up everything in order to follow Jesus and not follow yourself. You've got to be willing to lay it all aside. And a lot of people say, when, when they, they think that when somebody says you've got to deny yourself, that means to deny yourself of sin. And yes, that's true, but that's not the whole picture. Jesus doesn't even address sin in this, in this passage when he's talking about being a disciple and denying yourself. He doesn't even address sin at all. He talks about comfort and peace and family and all of that stuff. And here the first guy, he says, I'll go anywhere with you, Jesus. Jesus, I'm in, man. Whatever you got going on, I want to be a part of it. I'm going to follow you wherever you go. So Jesus knows every, the heart of every man. 
Jesus knows exactly what's going on in your mind and in your heart. And if you come up to him and you say, I'm going to follow you wherever you go, Jesus. Jesus may very well challenge you in the same way that he challenges this man. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. I love it. He says, foxes have dens to live in and birds have, have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. This is what he challenges this man with. This first man comes up to him and he says, I want to follow you. And Jesus goes, if you follow me, you may be homeless. If you sign up to be a part of what's going on with me, they may, you may very well lose your house. You may very well lose everything you own in order to follow me. Uh, you, you may not have anything if you choose Jesus you may not have anything. You know what happens in today's world? We try to sell people on the other, other end of the spectrum. Jesus says, you may not have anything if you follow me. What do preachers always try to tell you? I, I, not always, excuse me. Some preachers always try to sell you. Well, if you choose Jesus, then everything will work out right in your life. Every relationship will be healed. You'll have plenty of money in your bank account. You'll be able to have everything straightened out. It'll all work out good if you just choose Jesus. Jesus says the opposite's true. This is what Jesus taught. Jesus says, you may be homeless and lose everything if you come and follow me. Is it worth it to you? Is following me worth losing everything? The story ends right there with this guy, doesn't it? That's all you see. You know what I think happened? Yeah, you know exactly what I think happened. Probably the only thing that dude said in response to Jesus was this right here. He probably waved him goodbye and said, hey, thanks. Appreciate it. I'm not in on that. When you challenge people with what the word of God says about following Jesus and being a disciple of Jesus, you know what a lot of people say? Hey, thanks. I'm not in on that. I thought you just meant I had to get in the water. I didn't know there was all this like I may lose everything if I choose Jesus. I don't want to sell you a watered-down gospel and say, you know what, it's all going to be good and it's all going to be pretty and all you got to do is follow Jesus and everything's going to be good. This man, he went to Jesus and said he's ready to follow him and it looked like a great thing because he was a scribe and Jesus said you're going to lose everything, man. Is it worth it to you? And all Jesus got in response was a hand wave. You know what this man wanted? You know what he loved more than he loved Jesus? It's comfort. He loved his house. He loved where he was. He loved the warm, cozy blankets that he had wrapped up in. You know what a lot of people love more than they love Jesus? Their comfort. I ain't talking about their house. I'm talking about taking it easy and, and, and not having to worry about, you know, is God going to call me to the other side of Africa where I won't have a house or where I may have to just be like Jesus and roam around and tell people about Jesus. Jesus could very well challenge you in your heart to do that. Oh, it gets worse. Everybody's like, oh, this doesn't sound very good. I don't know if I'm in on this whole Jesus thing. I don't know if discipleship and, and being part of the kingdom is for me. I want you to understand the truth about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. He says, you might be homeless. Then another guy comes up. He said to another person, come follow me. I mean, Jesus challenges this guy the first guy came up to him this guy Jesus goes up to him and challenges him and says come follow me 
This is not an invitation to, to go down the road with him. This is not an invitation to go 100 yards with Jesus and then go another way. This is an invitation for the rest of his life. Come and follow me. Be part of what I am teaching. Come and be my disciple. Think about it. This guy was asked by Jesus to be his disciple. He says, come, follow me. I know we, we, we talk all the time about the 12, but there were many that actually followed Jesus. There were some that followed him to a point. And then when it got too tough, they would like, they're done. They're giving the hand wave thing, and they were out. And Jesus would look at his 12. He said, are you going to go too? And Peter spoke up. He said, where are we going to go, man? You're the son of the living God. Where, to whom else are we going to go? But he goes up to this man. He says, come, follow me. The son of God has just walked up to you face to face and says, come, follow me. Come and be my disciple. And look what this dude says in response. I mean, this is a guy that's making dead people walk, right? And he says, come, be a part of what's going on here. What does he start doing? Starts making excuses, right? I'm glad there's no people that I've ever shared the gospel with that start making excuses. The man agreed, but... So he agreed conceptually. That's a good idea. Yeah, I need to go follow you. That's a good idea. I like that. But and he says, hang on a second, though. I got, I got some. You don't approach Jesus with any kind of uh, strings attached. You don't approach Jesus and say, I'll follow you, but first, or but wait, or let me do this. But you don't come to Jesus with strings attached. That's what this is all about, right? Even your comfort, you don't come to Jesus with your comfort attached. Say, as long as you keep me comfortable, then I'm with you, Jesus. He says, but, he said, Lord, first, let me return home and bury my father. Dude's father's not dead. He says, let me go home and, and be with my family. I, I've been around my family for a long time. Well, just let me, let me stay there until my dad dies. And you're like, well, what's the big deal about that? He wants, to live, he wants to stay with his old daddy, and he wants to, what's going on here? When the father dies, the inheritance comes. When daddy's gone, that means there's property and the estate and all that kind of stuff that, that's left over. And he's like, I want to be around for that. I really want to stay around for when that inheritance is handed out. I'd really like to be there. I, I, I like the idea of following you, Jesus, but there's a lot of money on the line here. I, I, don't, I don't know that I need to give up all that, 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 that comfort in the money just to come and follow you. Why, just, I will, but just let me go take care of this first. Just let me go and be with my dad until he dies so I can get my inheritance. Let's go on. Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. In your version, it may say, let the dead bury the dead. What he's saying is those that are spiritually dead and their trespasses and sins, go let them handle burying a dead man. Go, go, go let the spiritually dead worry about the dead. You've got a greater calling in your life. You have the opportunity right here before you to preach the good news of the kingdom, which is all of eternity. And there is no death in this kingdom, but you're worried about the dead and who's going to die and what you're going to get out of it. He says, you need to be worried about the kingdom that is going to come that lasts for all of eternity. He said, because you've worried about the dead, 
that just means you're spiritually dead. That just means you're one of them. You're just one of them. You're not fixed on the kingdom. You're fixed on the earth. You're not looking to heaven. You're looking to this life and to see what it can bring you. He's saying, man, the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden out into a field. And a man sold everything that he had in order to go and buy that piece of land. So he could have that treasure. That's what Jesus says that we're supposed to do. If we were to be his disciple, if we were to be Christ-like, if we were to be his followers. We're supposed to pursue him unconditionally. No, no strings attached. He says, you're worried about the dead. You need to be worried about eternity. Two guys, two guys, potential disciples of Jesus. And they tried to come with strings attached. And Jesus said, I'll just keep on walking. I'll just keep on walking. Third guy. And another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. Sounds good, right? Got another guy, man. Yeah, I'm in, Jesus. Now think about this. Think about the people you know that have professed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And they approach Jesus with the but first. Or but let me. Or but this. Or but that. Or but I don't know if I really want to give you my whole life. And I don't know if I want to surrender everything and anything to you. I don't know if I'm ready to surrender my checkbook and my house and my life. I don't know if I'm really, really ready to surrender all of that. And Jesus says, that's not what the kingdom's like. This is third guy. Third guy, he says, but first, let me say goodbye to my family. Oh, that sounds precious, doesn't it? Oh, he wants to go say bye to his family because he's going to be gone for a long time and and he needs to go say goodbye. It sounds endearing, doesn't it? I mean, it does. It really, it's like, oh, this guy cares about his family. I'm going to say this, and this is where it gets really hard. Do you know what you're supposed to care about more than your family? Jesus. Do you know what you're supposed to care about more than anything else that God has created with his hands? Do you know what you're supposed to care about more than any of that stuff? Jesus including your brother and your sister and your mom and your dad. Jesus says some really hard stuff, and he says, I didn't come to bring peace but the sword, to set mother against daughter and, and, and daughter against mother-in-law and husband against wife. He, he says that anybody that comes to follow Jesus, you got to be Willing to, to hate your brother and your sister and your mom and dad. Does that mean that you're supposed to have some sort of animosity toward them? If you're a Christ follower, no. What it's supposed to mean is that you're so committed to following Jesus Christ that all the other relationships on this earth look like hate compared to your love for Jesus and your willingness to follow Jesus and do what Jesus says and does. One of my favorite passages, I have to tell people this all the time because everybody thinks that family is supposed to be so important. And family is important. Don't get me wrong. But let me tell you, it's not more than important than the family of God. It's not more important than my relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, I, this is how important the family of God is. So Jesus is teaching a bunch of people, and he's healing people and doing some great stuff. And he's in a house, and he's all crowded around with folks, and, and they're everywhere, right? Now, I mean, you can't even get in there. Well, his mother and brothers are outside trying to get in. Oh, Mary and, and some of his brothers are out there trying to get in, you know, trying to see Jesus. 
And you would think, man, somebody would be like, hey, y'all, look, this, this is the mother of Jesus. We need to let her up in here because she, she needs to get to her son and she needs to see what's going on. And somebody tells Jesus, your mother and brothers are outside. They're stuck outside. They can't get in. You know what Jesus looks at them and says? He says, my mother and brothers, my family are the people that hear the word of God and do it. That's who my family is. That, that's, that, that's who's really important. It's not the woman that gave birth to me. It's the people that are here, and they're hearing the word of God. She has no greater importance because she is my mother. These people right here that want to be Christ followers and follow the, the teachings that I, I'm putting forth about the kingdom, they are just as close to me as my own flesh and blood. And people put so much stock in family, 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 family. Man, I love family. I do. I do, and they're important. They're not more important than Jesus. They're not more important than Jesus. And there, there are times where family functions come up against some serving opportunity that I may have. I'm choosing Jesus. I'm choosing Jesus. Do I say that you got to do that? No. But I'm saying that the picture of my life is one where I'm going to choose Jesus every single time. I'm going to say yes to Jesus, even if, it, if it's something I've committed to, said I'm going to do this, it's a serving opportunity, I've got this, and this is what I'm going to do. If I'm committed to it and say this is what God has called me to do, then everything else falls into the background. Everything else falls into the background. This is what Jesus says to this guy who says, let me say goodbye to my family because my family is important. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. He is talking about people being in the kingdom of God. So if you want to say you want to be a Christian without being a disciple, then I challenge you with this passage. I think that what he's saying is, if you're going to be in the kingdom of God, you've got to be a disciple. You've got to follow him. And I'm not just talking about a one-time thing. I'm talking about a lifelong commitment to following Jesus Christ. He says, if you are committed to me and you are committed to the kingdom, you cannot be looking two ways. You can't be looking towards me and looking back the whole time. You can't be doing this number. It's all got to be the kingdom. You can't have a divided heart. Boy, it's tough teaching, isn't it? It's tough, tough teaching. God said it. Straight from God to you and to your heart the truth of his word am I saying that if you become a Christ follower that you gotta move out of your house and, and burn it down and you gotta get everybody out of, out of your life your family you gotta divorce yourself from them and just go and, and carry a cross down I-20 I and all of that I'm not saying that but God may very well call you to God may very well challenge you in your heart as you're following his Holy Spirit and you're seeking the face of God. He may very well call you to do that. And my challenge to you is this, is that when you committed your life to Christ, did you really sign up for that? Did you really sign up for being a disciple or did you just want into the kingdom without doing these things that Jesus has said? Everybody thinks it's all about sin, all about sin. If I just keep from sinning, if I just keep from sinning, then I'm a disciple. No. Jesus doesn't even address sin here. He just says, follow me, follow me. Everything else to the side, follow me, follow me, follow me. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. 
That's what it means to be a disciple. Maybe you in your life, maybe you're not one. Maybe you know that and it's eating you alive right now. Do I want you to make a commitment to the Lord? Yes. Do I want you to come down here and pray and ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do do I want you more than that, though, to live a life that follows Jesus and pursues Jesus every single day? Absolutely. Absolutely. I want people to look at your life and be able to know that you're a Christian. I want them to be able to see evidence of it and know without a shadow of a doubt, that's a Christian. That's a Christ follower. That's a disciple of Jesus because their life reflects that. Does your life reflect it? Let me pray. Father, thank you, God, for this word. Lord, I know that these words are not easy to hear, but these are the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and I don't take them lightly. I don't try to water them down so it's easier to hear. God, these are the words that you taught us in order to be a disciple, and I just pray that people recognize that being a disciple is really being a Christian. That being in the kingdom of God and being a Christ follower is really about giving up everything else so that Jesus Christ is central in our life, that he is number one in our life, in our family, in our money, in our comfort, in our homes. It all comes second and third and fourth and fifth in the list so that Jesus Christ is number one. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be sold out completely to Jesus Christ so that he rules and reigns every single aspect of our life. God, thank you. Lord, for how you've challenged people's hearts. Maybe somebody will give their life to you tonight, God, for, for the rest of their life. They'll say no to themselves. They'll say yes to you. Maybe, maybe that's what they'll do. I, I pray that that happens. I pray that you draw your people to you. God, I pray that you just, just convict their hearts, God, of the fact that they need to fall on their face before you. God, to surrender everything to you. All for your glory, God. It's for your glory. It's not for our comfort. It's not, not for anything else. It's not so that things will work out just so in our life. It is, it is so that we can follow you and fix our eyes on Jesus and fix our eyes on the kingdom of God and get our eyes off of this place and the things that just give us temporal, not even permanent comfort. God, they, they pass away. They'll all be consumed by fire. God, I pray in Jesus' name, God, that you just do a great work in people's hearts right now. God, we love you. This time belongs to you. In Jesus' name. Thank you.